There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. Welcome to Revealing the True Light. I have a very intriguing episode for you today. Let me start with a question. Is the Star of David or the menorah lampstand the true symbol of Israel? First of all, let me say I am a lover of Israel. I'm a lover of the Jewish people. I've been to Israel six times. For six consecutive years, I worked with the Christian embassy in the Feast of Tabernacles celebration that thousands of people from all over the world came to, and I was one of their annual speakers. When I introduced myself to Jewish people over in Israel, if they asked me what faith I am, I often respond, I am a proselyted Gentile into Messianic Judaism. And that's my way of recognizing that the early church was a Jewish church. Those who followed Jesus to begin with were Jewish people. I'm very sensitive to my Abrahamic roots as a child of God. I understand that. So I want you to know, as I proceed in this presentation, don't interpret anything to mean that I have even the slightest hint of anti-Semitism. That would be the furthest thing from the truth. Well, let me repeat the question again. Is the Star of David or the menorah lampstand the true symbol of Israel? Let's start with the Star of David. Actually, in the Hebrew it's not a star. It's the Magan David, which means the shield of David, not the star of David. So why would they call it the star of David? Well, that's a question I can't answer, but I do know what David's shield was according to Psalm 3, verses 1 through 3. This was a psalm David wrote when he was fleeing from Absalom, his son, during that insurrection. Lord, how have they increased to trouble me? Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. So David recognized that God was his shield. He didn't depend on magical things to protect him. He wouldn't even depend on natural things, refusing to trust in Saul's armor when he ran out on the battlefield to face off with Goliath. He knew where his help came from. However, traditionally and historically, according to one major Jewish source, the shield of David later on was adorned with either the engraved name of God or the menorah lampstand or Psalm 67. And Psalm 67 is a psalm that celebrates that all nations will one day worship the true God. And the name of God, of course, is the Tetragrammaton in Hebrew, the four letters that are translated Lord over 2,000 times, but that's insufficient because it's the personal name of God. And in the Hebrew alphabet, it's yud heh vav heh 
which transliterates to YHWH, and we interpret that to mean either a pronunciation of Yahweh or Yahovah. There's question as to which is correct, but that's not my focus on this program. The main thing is David's shield was engraved with either the name of God or the menorah or Psalm 67, but not a star. Well, if this six-pointed star is not the Magan David, the star of David, or the shield of David, what is it? And where did it come from? First, you need to recognize that it is a hexagon. It is two triangles that fuse together become a six-pointed star. And of course, the word hexagon contains the root word hex, which can mean a witchcraft spell or something that is supposed to bring evil or bad luck on a person. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? That's quite surprising. And historically, this emblem has been referred to not as the Star of David, but as the Seal of Solomon. Now, I'm quoting from the Encyclopedia Judaica. It is not clear in which period the hexagram was engraved on the Seal of Solomon mentioned in the Talmud as a sign of his dominion over the demons instead of the name of God, which originally appeared on his ring. So in that day, most people of authority or people of commerce wore a signet ring that had a seal on it, and that seal would be impressed in clay or on some type of paper in order to authenticate a transaction. It was a sign of authorization. And apparently Solomon had a ring that had the tetragrammaton engraved into it. And then at some point, it shifted, and he had a star. It was called the Seal of Solomon. When did that happen? Why did that happen? We know that in his old age, Solomon backslid because of the influence of his pagan wives. We can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 through verse 10. And I'm not going to quote the whole passage, but it says, King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor are they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods." Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. Now here's the key verse, verse 5. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, which is near the Mount of Olives, incidentally, and for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense 
and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon. Who is Ashtoreth? Well, that false goddess is a deity recognized as being the goddess of fertility and sexuality. She's very similar to other goddesses that bear different names, and yet they're somewhat the same in identity. Astarte, Aphrodite, Venus, and Ishtar in different cultures, different nations at different periods. It's all somewhat the same, a false goddess of fertility and sexuality. And one of her symbols was a star within a circle. There you have the connection. There is the seal of Solomon, adopted from a false religion. If you read about this in Wikipedia, it says the hexagram, like the pentagram, was and is used in practices of the occult and ceremonial magic. The six-pointed star is commonly used both as a talisman, which is a charm, or for conjuring spirits and spiritual forces in diverse forms of occult magic. In a book called The History and Practice of Magic, Volume 2, the six-pointed star is called the Talisman of Saturn and is also referred to as the Seal of Solomon. This is troubling to me. I'm sure it's troubling to you. The Theosophical Society was one of the main groups through which New Age concepts infiltrated the Western culture many years ago. And now we see such a rise in New Age spirituality. It is extremely disturbing. From 1990 to the year 2000, I read that Christianity only grew 5% in the United States, but simultaneously, New Age spirituality grew 240%. That's alarming. We've got to address these concepts, these doctrines, and bring people back to the truth. But the Theosophical Society has as its emblem, its symbol, something that contains this seal of Solomon, or what people would call the Star of David. The emblem has a lot of parts to it. At the very top is the symbol of Om, which is representative of Hinduism. And then you have the swastika, which actually in Hinduism represents good fortune. And then you have the Star of David, or the Seal of Solomon, more correctly, inside of a circle. And that circle is actually a serpent devouring its own tail. And their motto is, there is no religion higher than truth. And I can agree with that motto, although I do not believe in the Theosophical Society. But there they adopt that same symbol as representative of an occult religion. Also, you can trace it back to Hinduism. In that religion that is so ancient, we can't even find a beginning point for it. The six-pointed star is called the Shatkona. And that actually means six-pointed star. And it represents the union of the god Shiva and the god Shakti. See, Shiva is the upper triangle, which represents male energy. And Shakti is the lower triangle, which represents female power. And their union gives birth to a god named Sanat Kumara, 
which is the God of eternal youth and the Theosophical Society teaches, are you ready for this? That he is the Lord of this earth, the regent of this earth and part of a spiritual hierarchy. So if it's contained in the teachings of theosophy, if it's contained in the teachings of Hinduism, shouldn't we question its use in Judaism? Someone named M. Hirsch Goldberg in a book called The Jewish Connection says the Star of David is not of Jewish origin, and the ancient Israelites never used it as their religious symbol. Well, then where did it come from? And does the Bible speak about it? Does the Bible speak for it or against it? Well, let's go to two passages, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. Let's go to Amos chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. And this is where the prophet Amos was rebuking the children of Israel because they were going after false gods. And he said, you also carried Sukkoth your king and Kion your idols, the star of your gods, which you made for yourselves. And then God said, therefore, I will send you into captivity beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts, or Elohim Sabaoth. Mm. So God rebukes them because they are idolizing this image of a star. And then over in the book of Acts, Stephen is giving a lengthy message, a rebuke to those that are ready to stone him. And finally, he was martyred for what he declared that day. He refers to this error in the history of Israel in Acts chapter 7, verses 42 and 43. Let me read it to you. Then God turned, and, and, and again, this is Stephen preaching to them. He says, God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Remphan. That's R-E-M-P-H-A-N, the star of your God, Remphan, images which you made to worship. And so God said, I will carry you away beyond Babylon. So in both of those passages, Old Testament and New Testament, it was identified as an erroneous practice. Well, when did it become identified with the Jewish people? Let me read to you out of a book that I have called The Six-Pointed Star, Its Origin and Usage by Dr. O.J. Graham. You can't get this book anymore. Apparently, it's out of print. He claims that in 1822, it was adopted by the Rothschild family and put on their coat of arms. Did you hear that? This is one of the banking families that controls the global banking cartel, along with the Rockefellers and others. Now, listen. In 1822, it was adopted by the Rothschild family and put on their coat of arms. The story of the Rothschild family is an intriguing one. It began in 17th century Frankfurt, Germany, where one Meyer Amschel Bauer hung a red hexagram or a six-pointed star on his door to identify his address. And soon after this, Mayor Amschel Bauer began supplying coins to Prince William of Hanau, 
and upon becoming a supplier to the court, he changed his family name to Rothschild, meaning Red Shield. So you can trace the Star of David back to the Rothschild family, who most likely had quite a bit to do with the restoration of Israel to its homeland in 1948. And I'll get to that more later. But I've got to first camp on the year 1987. That's when the six-pointed Star of David was used as a religious sign for the Israelites the emblem of the Jewish people when the Zionist conference was convened by Theodore Herzl. They chose it as the insignia of their movement. And of course, Zionism was birthed then, and it progressed and progressed and progressed until May 14th of 1948. The restored Jews that came back to their homeland out of the horror of the Holocaust raised the Star of David flag to announce to the world community that they were now a recognized nation. And it became the emblem of Israel. Hmm. And you can trace it back to 1897, the Zionist Conference, and then back further than that to the door of one who was named Rothschild. Isn't that interesting? And so it wasn't from a biblical source, but something altogether different. And it must be said that when they hoisted the Star of David flag, they were immediately attacked by six Arab nations. If you count the Palestinians in their midst as one nation, they were outnumbered, grossly outnumbered, hundreds of millions of people against 800,000 Jews. Think of that. And the Arabs had all the weaponry. They had the tanks. They had the, the planes. They had the bombs. They had the ships. They had the guns. They had the ammunition. It was contraband for Jews to have any kind of weaponry in the land of Israel that the British called Palestine. How did they win? They could have only won that war with supernatural help. And so the raising of a Star of David flag meant little to the God who saw the fulfillment of his prophecy, the prophetic word that had been stated through numerous prophets that there would be a restoration of the people of Israel. The dry bones came together, just like Ezekiel saw in his famed vision. And they won against insurmountable odds. And ever since then, in every war they've fought, they have come out triumphant. In fact, I've stood on the battlefield where 27 Israeli tanks withstood over 500 Arab tanks in a later war and won. You can't win against odds like that, except the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob be with you. So, the people of Israel now, when they look at the Star of David flag, they don't see it as an emblem of Ashtoreth. They don't see it as an occult symbol. So is it okay now? Because a star is something that shines in the night. And really, you have to include the fact that during the Holocaust, Hitler identified Jewish people. He made it a mandate. You had to wear a yellow badge with a six-pointed star on it if you were Jewish to identify you. And then, of course, his secret police, the Gestapo, would quickly identify you and 
put you on a train to one of his death camps. I cannot imagine the horror of living in that day. If you think we have disruption in our government, think of how horrific it was then. And millions of precious Jewish people died at the hands of Hitler. Those who were liberated from those death camps came out with tattered uniforms, prison uniforms that had the six-pointed star. That wasn't an occult symbol then. To them, it was identification with a nation that was rescued by the grace and the goodness of God. So maybe, just maybe, that symbol has been somewhat sanctified, or maybe it's neutral now. I look at it the same way I look at Christmas. Christmas, I'm sure, is not the birth date of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it certainly was originally the winter solstice, but it's a time when you hear songs about the birth of the Messiah everywhere, even in malls, secular malls, you'll hear songs celebrating the birth of the Son of God. So I don't have a problem with Christmas. People get together, families love on one another, give gifts to one another. I don't think of occult practices when I see a Christmas tree in a corner. I think of a warm family setting. And maybe that's how God feels about the Star of David flag now. I don't know. All I know is that God's moved for the Jewish people in tremendous ways, and millions of them are coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're recognizing him as their Messiah, their Mashiach, Yeshua Mashiach. And to them, he's becoming the bright in the morning star. He's becoming the star that would rise out of Jacob that was prophesied so long ago. So maybe it's like the cross. Prior to Jesus going to Golgotha, the cross was a symbol of torture, ridicule, shameful death. But when Jesus died on the cross, it became a symbol of life and forgiveness and reconciliation and redemption. So somehow that symbol of death was sanctified and became a symbol of a place where you could obtain eternal life. Also, I need to bring out the true symbol of Israel because there's something very beautiful connected to it. The true symbol recognized from the historic past is the menorah lampstand, which was a piece of furniture that God gave by design to Moses to put in the holy place in the tabernacle. And there's a lot that could be said about the menorah. I can't go into everything pertaining to it, but it was a one beaten piece of gold, which represents the suffering that has produced the revelation of God in this world through hundreds of thousands of people who have been in covenant with God. The suffering they endured and the suffering the Lord Jesus Christ endured has produced a light that lightens this dark world. It's a seven-stemmed lampstand that contains oil in bowls at the top. And the fire from off the altar was used to light the wicks in those seven bowls. And the fire on the altar in the outer court of the tabernacle actually came from heaven to start with. And they were told never to let that fire go out. So the fire on the lampstand was of a heavenly origin. And when you close the veil behind you, if you were a priest, to go into the holy place to trim the wicks on the lampstand, that was the only light that lit up that place. 
It was a heavenly light. What it must have felt like to be bathed in the warmth of the light of heaven. What an illuminating experience. And the menorah lampstand became a symbol of how Israel, a monotheistic believing nation in the midst of polytheistic cultures, was a light to the world of the true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the lampstand represents the word. David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So it has much symbolic value, but on the highest level, it represents Israel occupying that role in this dark world. And now I believe it's been adopted into the identity of the church. Because remember in the book of Revelation, the resurrected Christ is standing in the middle of seven golden lampstands or menorahs. So that image has been passed to the church of being the light of the world. Praise God for that. I also need to bring out something very important. In Zechariah chapter 4, we find a seven-word prophecy that was given to the people of Israel when they were restored from Babylonian bondage. Seven words in Hebrew. In English, it's more words than that. But those seven words are identified with the seven stems of the menorah lampstand because in this vision that Zechariah had, Israel was represented as the menorah lampstand. But then God also spoke not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And in Hebrew, again, that's seven words long. So Jewish people identify that statement with the lampstand, with their history and with their future destiny. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That lights up our hearts with courage in fearful times, that lights up our minds with understanding in confusing times, that lights up our lives with protection in dangerous times. Yes, we, the church, have inherited the symbol of the menorah lampstand. Wow, there's been a lot of information on this podcast. What do you learn from all of this? First, question everything in religion. Don't just believe things blindly or take things on their surface value. Don't just believe that the Star of David is the Star of David because everyone thinks it's the Star of David. Dig into the history of things yourself. Number two, don't be gullible, but don't be critical either. Because yes, it has some very questionable beginnings, but now the Star of David means something full of hope. See it in its new context, not the old reference point you may have had. When you think of Israel on the highest level, don't just think of the light of a star shining on Israel, but the light of a menorah shining from Israel. Don't just think of the light of the star of Jacob, the bright and the morning star shining on the church, but think of the church as a lampstand full of the fire of God filled with the anointing oil of his presence shining into a dark world and illuminating this place with the truth. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. 
Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.